Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Get the official Mendota forecast in there. Mendota, 65 in Princeton. It's 71 in Peru. That's that's Peru, Illinois, not Peru, South America. That's how the (laughs) far-flung forecast got started. It's exactly how the far-flung forecast got started. Because when uh, we used to give temperatures... Places. Oh, we in Michigan, in Indianapolis, Indiana. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Louisville, Kentucky, and then we and that, that's we said we should do a far flung, you know, like for, for this place as possible. We just started picking names yeah. from various places, and uh, yeah, that's how it got started. I hope they include that on in the big TV special they're going to do <laughs> on the hundred year anniversary of WGN. That would be nice. How the far flung forecast got started should be included. Uh, a long list of all the places we said we were going to broadcast from, but we never right, did. Right, <laughs> right. Bowling alleys yeah. and the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library, and right. most recently from our own cars using CB radios. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> the several times that I've put your life in danger on the show. Exactly, oh, yeah. yes. That should be a part of the, yeah. this big special that's coming up. That came up as a topic of conversation with uh, some friends the other day. Mm. About the uh, the time you were going to shoot an apple off of my head yeah, at tree I, time. With the bow and arrow. With the bow and arrow, yeah. <clears throat> and I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, Not really. Yeah, technically, I did. Well, you shot the arrows. I shot the arrows, uh, and we put an apple on a giant poster of you, right? Right. And I shot the apple off of that, so technically it was shooting an apple off of... Dave but not head. before you put two different holes in your in eye, my socket. eye socket and in my cheek. <laughs> Those were practice shots. <laughs> Just warming up. Those were practice shots. Just warming up. Um, tell me, uh, this uh, lunar eclipse? Yeah. I was just walking in the studio when you were talking about it. So. Yeah. When and where? Uh, it's tonight. How do I see this? Do I have well, to look first up at the sky? All, yeah, you do. Do I have to look up at the sky for this? You you do, because um, it's the moon, and the moon's always up in, up the, sky. in the sky, right, Dean. Um, Actually, I'm going to find it more challenging to be awake at that hour <laughs> yeah, yes. than anything else. First of all, uh, well, it all depends on whether or not the clouds uh, will be moving oh, out. Now, clouds both are Tim always Joyce, getting in the way. Both Tim Joyce and Mike Jansen say that uh, that at least part of it will uh, be available to be watched. Uh, the clouds should move away. But it's going to start around 9.30. Mm-hmm. The total phase, meaning when it's totally closed... 10.29 our time, and then ending just before midnight. But they're calling Wait, so this... So I have to sit out there for two and a half hours? Yeah. You don't want to do that. <laughs> what do you Yes think? or no? Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly less interested. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, first of all, uh, uh, another thing, too, uh, since uh, we did the uh, solar eclipse a few years ago, and you had to have special eyewear for that. You do not need it for this. Right. But it's they're calling this the Remember first... Remember Tom Skilling uh, broke down into oh, tears? that was fantastic. That should be included. Watching it. Uh, and, well, that's WGN-TV. We're right. talking about the radio. Yeah, yes, the special. Indeed. Don't confuse the special. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but this will be the first blood moon of the year. Excuse me? Yes, because the moon will appear red. So they uh, they will uh, term this, the, that's the blood moon. The last total it's lunar like a eclipse. Flash Gordon episode. Yeah, until 2025. I look, why look, the moon is red. <laughs> it's the we're blood moon. In, we're being invaded by the Martians. <laughs> So, yes, tonight uh, this will be a total lunar eclipse uh, starting at 930 and ending uh, just before midnight. Okay. Yeah, I know you're going to stay up for it. Now. Somebody, somebody take a, somebody take notes and let me know how it turned out because I'm going to be <laughs> very busy. Any, any idea what this is that I'm playing? This lovely song? Um, it's Al Jolson. It's Al Jolson. Okay, Al Jolson. I was going to say Rudy Valley, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Al Jolson. I don't know why I'm doing Edward G. Robinson, but yeah, <laughs> it's Al Jolson, see? <laughs> and, well, I would imagine this was a hit around the time WGN Radio went on the air. This was the number one song in America when WGN Radio went on the air. Number one in May of 1922. <laughs> he was the Lady Gaga of his day. Yes, he was. In case anyone's wondering. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, it's a song called Angel Child, a foxtrot, as it says on the sheet music, uh, sung by the uh, very versatile Al Jolson. I don't know if we featured it uh, among our first broadcasts here on WGN, but how about that? A song from a hundred years ago. Yes, sure. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Maybe they hadn't uh, figured out how to get... Think of this. That was before, actually, um, electronic recording. If it was 1922, that means it was an acoustic recording. He was singing into one of those great big horns right. that actually cut, you know, made the, uh, the, uh, the cutting device right. uh, uh, move a needle across uh, to uh, make the record. Yeah. We still use that same equipment here at WGN. I refuse way. to part with mine. They have not, they have not updated. It worked. It worked a hundred years ago. It's, it's going to work today. Now. By golly, it's just fine. <laughs> I'm going to be talking a lot like this today to celebrate the 100th birthday, like the little newsreels. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in my newsreel. News on the march around the world. And you need the you need the big fanfare like intro underneath exactly yes I used to love watching those newsreels I actually have a vague memory of seeing the last vestiges of them in movie theaters when I was a, when I was maybe six they were still showing I remember seeing them newsreels yeah I remember seeing them well I'm sure you do you're older than me. So you would have definitely remember them. What? <laughs> what? Uh, what did you say? I just remember the cartoons. Let's we were to told to be nice. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> Not me. We were told to be nice. You were, you, you were told to be nice yes. to me? Well, I was told to be nice on the air because we're, we're celebrating a special commemoration here. And, I know. Uh, so then we need, need to be on our best behavior. Yeah, well, then stop insulting me. <laughs> Um, I was just stating a fact. You're older than uh, I know it. It wasn't an insult. I don't care. I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> I've put up with you all these years, and I haven't had a heart attack or anything yet. So apparently, no, you I just have, lost your hair. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> that's, 
Uh, WGN Radio is turning 100 years old on May 19th, and we have put together a television special, a documentary on the history of WGN Radio that's going to be on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m., on uh, my favorite TV station, WGN TV. So, looking forward to that. Have you seen any of it yet? Uh, no, I did see uh, Andy and Ryan and myself were watching the uh, commercial for it, the mm-hmm. promo for it this oh. morning. Oh. But I have not seen any of the uh, program as yet. They're supposed to send me some clips that I'm going to be using on the TV morning show to promote it. So I'm, I'm looking forward. You haven't received them yet? I haven't received them yet. Okay. There's plenty of time. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'm just wondering which clips uh, featuring me on WGN they're going to use. Oh. Don't you figure this So special, it's all about you. Don't you, you know, don't you figure this special is mostly going to be about what we've done here on so Sunday morning? So it's all morning? about it should you. Be. It's about us. Yeah. Not me. About Never us. Never mind. It's about all, all of the Cubs broadcasts. The three of them. Never mind. I know. Wally they, Phillips. They have a very interesting section on uh, the many times that I've been preempted. Ah. <laughs> there was a reason for that. <laughs> That's going to be the uh, WGN Radio Spectacular Part 2. The preemption? Yeah, the preemptions uh, and the Sunday morning uh, 9 to 930 segment. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it's going to, you know, I like watching documentaries anyway, but, you know, what I was saying a minute ago about these newsreels, I love watching these old newsreels. I wonder if somebody has put out, uh, if they're available someplace to watch online. There might be. I almost said, I wonder if there's someplace I can go to get a videotape of them. (laughs) (laughs) Then I remembered, I don't have a video player anymore. I don't have a VCR anymore or a DVD player. Well, I imagine you could, you know, just find something. Uh, probably it, streaming. Streaming someplace. somewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. I used to love watching those. But, you know, it's, I, I think, uh, you know, our, the history of our radio station, you know, the all, all the current stuff. I mean, you mentioned Wally Phillips. Wally Phillips up until today has been remarkable. But everything prior to Wally Phillips also. Oh, yes. Quite amazing. Sure. Jack Brickhouse was on radio for many years before WGN-TV. Right. Uh, Walk the halls here. You'll see the pictures of him doing the WGN mutual quiz and interviewing various uh, people in the armed forces during the war. Presidents. Presidents, right. right. He used to do a lot of the big band broadcasts also. From the Edgewater Beach Hotel. You played a cut one time of him doing... Uh, an introduction to one of those broadcasts. It was amazing. Yeah. Just uh, amazing. That's how, how cool would that be? To you know, be to. I mean, we're, we're part of the legacy. There's no, there's no getting around it. We're part of it. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess you could, but uh, the uh, th- that era, uh, you know, when brought, they didn't even know what they were doing then. They were inventing how to yeah, do radio then. That's the beauty of it, is they the fact that they were in, you know, the questions being asked, how do we do this? And, well, let's try this and let's try that. I would certainly think that there were some things that did not work. Yeah. And then there were some things that did work. Oh, I just thought of this. I'm hoping that they would mention uh, the coverage of the Scopes Monkey Trial from 1925. Sure. That's, a, that's one of the most historic moments 
in broadcast history, not just WGN history. And done by someone I really would have wanted to meet, Quinn Ryan, who was, you talk about a pioneering broadcaster, he did everything here. Music, news, sports, um, you name it. And then they put together a a fledgling radio network to do that. That's amazing. Was that the Mutual Radio Network? It was the beginnings of the Mutual Broadcasting System. It's the Mutual Broadcasting System. (laughs) (laughs) You and I have memories of that. (laughs) Yes, we do. From WCFL. From WCFL, which was owned by the Mutual Broadcasting System. Owned by the Mutual Broadcasting System, which meant, Which meant, at the time... Uh, the Amway Corporation owned the Mutual Broadcasting System. Am I right? Yes. Am I remembering all yes. this right? They owned two stations, us and WHN in New York. Right. Uh, so uh, every Christmas, we would get to choose something from the Amway catalog. That's that's what I remember most. I got laundry detergent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I got chose, but you went through the catalog and you could choose something as your gift. You got an Amway gift because we worked there. That's right. We did. We got the catalog. Yes. Very nice. nice. I was only there one Christmas. So yeah, that was plenty. (laughs) My memory, my memory serving me correctly. Uh, So today on our Sunday show, what we're going to do is going to we're going to go back for some WGN memories. We've made a few memories here on our little Sunday show through the years of when uh, Drew Carey called us up. Uh, out of the blue, because all of our guests had had canceled on that the was, show. That's great. <laughs> uh, we're going to share that moment. We're going to share the final time that I spoke with Bob Collins. I mean, I just I I, I want to remember you know some Bob Collins in this and kind of anniversary show that we're going to do today. And the final time I I went on his show, uh, and we were talking about. A, a TV movie with Mary Tyler Moore and Valerie Harper that had just come out. But we're going to share uh, some classic moments and rarely heard ones uh, on our Food Time show today. Maybe the quintessential TV chef, Julia Child, was in studio with me. And we had uh, a great conversation. And we're going to share that today. We're going to share our memories uh, and conversations that we had with Dick Van Dyke. I have to share a conversation that we had with Betty White. She was on our show so many times. Mel Brooks, when he brought the producers uh, to the stage and brought it here to Chicago first before it went to New York and won a record number of Tony Awards. My conversation with uh, Mel Brooks is coming up a little bit later on today. And, uh, you know, whatever else is going on here on a Sunday morning that includes a visit with Dr. Kevin Most as well. And uh, this is Susie on our phone line. Susie, good morning and welcome to a little place we call WGN. When I love WGN since a child. I have been a listener. I used to listen to the farm report. I didn't even know what I was listening to, but I loved it. But I have a little story about um, Al Joseph, my cousin, who passed away a couple of years ago, was buried in Los Angeles at the cemetery that Al Joseph's buried in. And when you drive in, there's like a little hill with a glass dome. I, I believe it's glass. And he's buried in there, and he, they play his music when you drive through. Really? I forgot the song, but it's kind of creepy. Wait a minute. You drive, you're drive. you driving through the cemetery, 
And when you, you come in, it's yeah. the main entrance. Right. To the right, I remember this hill. I mean, this is a few years ago, not that long ago. And at the top of the hill is Al Joseph's grave. You know, and you could see the uh, casket. It's out. Oh, really? Under this glass dome, and they play this music. Yeah, it's, it's very Hollywood, I guess. That, that, I mean, is, that is pretty unbelievable. Creepy. That's very. Can I tell you something else since I have you on the phone? Do you mind? Well, uh, let me just let me just say this before we move off of this real quick. Uh, what you're talking, the cemetery that you're talking about, I, I just looked it up while you're talking, is the Hillside Memorial Park and Mortuary. In, yes, in yes, Col- my Culver- cousin's been okay. in a you know in one of those tombs yeah. that they have. Culver City, California, and. The, uh, the the Al Josen burial site, as as you say, it's it's not a casket sitting out, but it's it's a cement crypt, in right. in, in which right. I assume the casket is uh, in this crypt, and it says Al Jolson on the side of it, and and you're saying that when you go near it, music plays. Yes, I mean I remember that. I don't understand. You know, I didn't go back and forth, but when we drove in. I heard that, and I said to my cousin, whose wife had passed away, I said, this is unbelievable. He says, I know, isn't it unbelievable? And that's what you get. I mean, I imagine it's still there. This is maybe only three years ago that this happened. That's crazy. Um, crazy. <laughs> you're, walking by, I know. you're walking by the cemetery, and all of a sudden, Swanee, <laughs> how I love you, how I love you. Yeah, I think you have to drive in and drive past something wow. for that to happen. Wouldn't that be great to hear Mammy also? That would be great. I I would love to hear Mammy anytime. (laughs) It's a recognizable El Jolson song is what it is. All right. Somebody make a note. When I pass away, I would like clips of this show (laughs) to be played. When when anyone walks by my final resting place, I would like clips of this show. Uh, Maybe the (laughs) far-flung forecast. Shwani, can you provide some far-flung forecast to be played? Very far-flung for you. My final resting place. I can do that. Okay. Thank you. Very unusual. Just one fast thing. My son is a writer on Star Trek Strange New Worlds that just came out, and he's also a writer on The Man Who Fell to Earth. We just watched episode four. And not the creator or, you know, the developer, but he's a a producer writer on it. Okay. Oh, that's it? Okay. Very nice. Congratulations. Still there, Susie? She just wanted to get her plug in. That was right to the point. <laughs> um, let's get to uh, let's uh, let's do this, and then we'll get to our far flung forecast. A hundred years from now, when WGN is celebrating its two hundredth birthday, <laughs> people will look back and go, "Is that the station where the far flung forecast got started?" <laughs> And the answer will be yes. Yes. It yes. Is. Decidedly yes. On a dreary Sunday morning. <laughs> when we had nothing else to talk about. When we clearly needed to kill some time with something. <laughs> we brought to you our weekly compendium of fascinating facts, the far-flung forecast. And now uh, with the latest on our historic week here on WGN, here is Dave Well, thank you very much, and good morning, everybody. Today, we go out to the Pacific Northwest, to Washington State, to George Washington, Hmm? the city of George 
Washington. There's a city named George Washington? Population 809. Huh. It's in the south, or rather really more the central eastern portion of the state of Washington. Yes, huh. there is a city named George in Washington. The area was a, a big farming area, and they had an irrigation district there to support local agriculture and businesses, and was starting to grow in the 1950s. What is an irrigation district exactly? An irrigation district or a ditch, it's a system that's a waterway system. They have to bring water out there because you get east of the Cascade Mountains in Washington State, you're in a desert area. But that land can be very fertile because of the volcanic ash that's been in there for mm-hmm. millennia. Yeah. Well, you need water to grow the crops. Well, I know irrigation, but I, you said inter, uh, irrigation district. A district, yeah. Like it's a... It's, be, it's a between... Like it's a theme park. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wet, wild Mom, ride. I want to go on the irrigation ride. <laughs> you want to know who the man's name was that came up with the name for Ooh, George? Do I ever. You want to... His name? Was Charlie Brown? No, <laughs> he was the he, he was the local pharmacist <laughs> in the area. He invested his money in this venture, and they got planning help from the University of Washington. And he thought it would be nice to name this town when it was incorporated after the first president of the United States. How about that? Hence, George. Washington. Give him the full name treatment, not just Washington. And because the of the treatment. full treatment, and they go, they take it a step further, because the, what's the story about George Washington chopping down the cherry tree uh, when he was a boy? He cannot tell a lie. They have a street in George named Bing, as in Bing Cherries. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bing Crosby. Not Bing Crosby, no, but Bing Cherries. Chandler Bing. <laughs> so in George Washington... We have cloudy skies and 50 degrees. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought it'd be a little point of departure. We haven't done a funny one in a while. So uh, when I came across this looking for other things a few weeks ago, I said, okay, yeah. that we're going to use Save this. Put that in the funny file. <laughs> one, one. More, one more thing I'm reading about this. When the town was incorporated on the 4th of July in 1957, there was a ceremony there that featured a 1,000-pound cherry pie. What? <laughs> there was enough for everyone. Okay, let's put this down as another place that we want to do the show, but never George will. Washington. George yes. Washington. And the, what would you say, 500-pound pie? 1,000-pound pie. 1,000-pound pie. A cherry pie, no less. Cherry pie. That's Ooh. a lot of pits. <laughs> That's a lot of pits to spit. That's the way this, uh, sometimes the show's been described as the pits. The pits <laughs> to spit. Welcome, welcome to our show here. Where it is 941, and this is Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGN. We check in with Dr. Kevin Most. Uh, doctor, you will remember when uh, the pandemic began to wane down a little bit. And people were saying, oh, well, you're still doing that COVID segment. No need to. The COVID's over. It's done with. It's finished. And uh, it laid low for a little while. But now uh, we're seeing it surging uh, again. Many counties in Illinois, many communities here in the state of Illinois have gone from medium alert to high alert again. Uh, We're seeing that all over the country. Uh, First of all, good morning and welcome. Second of all, uh, why this happening? Why is this happening? 
Yeah, Dean, thanks. You know, it is interesting that we have to realize not only if we look locally what's happening here, but also look globally. So anybody who thinks that just because we took masks off that this was over, we have a rude awakening in front of us. So certainly we're finding a couple of things. One, we haven't seen the number of people get the boosted vaccination. Two, we're starting to see more infections, but fortunately, the increase in hospitalizations is not as big as we would see uh, what we could possibly expect based on the number of cases. So in other words, people are getting more mild cases, not needing to be hospitalized. But unfortunately, this is just continuing to spread. And, you know, South Africa has very bad numbers coming out again. And if you remember, they were the ones that, you know, that started this all uh, for the second uh, Omicron variant. And now we're also hearing big cases starting in North Korea as well, which is very concerning. And all of these things led to increases here in the United States in the past, which is why we're concerned about the global trends. But, uh, I mean, without a doubt, we're seeing things beginning to rise here in Illinois. Uh, You know, a lot of companies that, you know, people have gone back into their office places. COVID has broken out and people are going back to working at home again. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest impacts that we have to understand is not not the stress that's going to put on the hospitals, because right now, like we said, this infection is not forcing a lot of hospitalizations except those older and immunocompromised. But it certainly is going to put a lot of stress on the economy as you know, we that's one of the things that we track right now at the hospital is how many nurses, respiratory therapists, radiation, how many of those are out with COVID every day. And that's number that, you know, impacts how we can treat people. It's the same whether you're in a hospital or you're making widgets. You're still going to be looking at this workforce that is going to be potentially spreading the illness. And you have to make sure you're safe in a safe work environment. So do we are, is it your suggestion that we put the masks back on? You know, I, I'm not sure that that genie's out of the bottle. I'm not sure that that's going to be able to come back because I think what they're going to use is the hospitalization numbers and say that we're okay. Um, a little bit concerning. People who have been vaccinated are still getting this illness. And, you know, the long COVID numbers are ones that's going to start to scare people. Uh, I would certainly, you know, I'm going to travel next week. I'm certainly going to wear a mask on the airplane uh, and in the airport. And I'm really careful about where I'm around and, and when I'm in the indoor environment, how I'm acting and who I'm interacting with. Um, I don't want to get this. I've had too many friends that have gotten this and have had not a fun time with it. Even with uh, the vaccinations and boosters, I've heard from so many people saying, I've been vaccinated. I've got bo- both of my booster shots and I still got it. I mean, this this is not a preventative vaccination. Doesn't mean you're not going to get it. Just means that your symptoms are going to be less severe. Am I right about that? Absolutely, you're spot on right there. People do have, need to understand that this is going to this vaccine are going to prevent you from ending up in the hospital, ending up in the ICU, ending up on a ventilator. That science is out there and has been proven. But still, you could get mild cases. But those individuals who have the antibodies can fight this off so much better. So, you know, I've been fully boosted. Uh, You know, that's my recommendation. And, you know, we're talking about a fall surge. Well, you know, there's a lot of people talking about a summer surge that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see if that pans out just based on the numbers. Like you said, look what's happened in Illinois, where we have gone from low counties all the way to high counties within a matter of five weeks. 
Yeah, that, that's uh, disturbing to me. Even though people, uh, you know, are not going into the hospitals uh, as much as they were, even though the severity of symptoms are not what they were, there are still uh, lasting effects, though, isn't there, of uh, being uh, testing positive for COVID. One hundred percent. You know, we don't know enough about this illness, but we certainly know that individuals that get it a large percentage still have symptoms six months later, whether it's brain fog, a little cognitive slowness, shortness of breath, heart issues. We have to understand that, oh, yeah, so-and-so got it and they were better in a couple of days. Yeah, well, there's a big population that's not better in a couple of days. And just for your own well-being and those around you, just make sure you're as protected as you can be. Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and get to as many questions as we can. For Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. This is Jane on with Dr. Kevin Most from Central DuPage Hospital. Jane, you're on WGN. Hi, Dr. Most. have a quick question. I got my first booster in December. Wanted to know how many months after the first should we get the second? Yeah, so if you got your first booster in December, you wait four months. So December, January, February, March, April, you are good to go right now. So certainly uh, you're good, and it's four months after your booster that you're good to go for the second booster. Okay, great. Thank now, you so much. Now, did you you're get welcome. did you get uh, Pfizer or Moderna or something else? I, all my shots have been Moderna. Okay, so does she stay with Moderna, Doctor Most, or well, what do you suggest? Yeah, you know, Jane, I'm I'm one that uh, thinks more about um, mixing than matching. Um, mm-hmm. but if you've had great success with Moderna and it hasn't given you great side effects, a lot of people say, "Why would I risk it?" But uh, certainly, um, I can tell you, I got two Pfizer's and two Modernas. So I like to make sure that I get at least coverage because although they're COVID vaccines, they are a little bit different and you gain a little bit with uh, percentage. And do you foresee um, a third booster in the fall or (laughs) has there been any talk about it? Jane, you couldn't have teed it up any better for me. Yeah, yes, (laughs) I do. Um, Thank you for that. And I do. And they're working on right now, which is interesting. The vaccine that we're taking right now, everyone has to remember, that is based on the original COVID, right? We've had Omicron. We've had Delta. We've had BA2. We've had BA4. The one that they're looking at and working on right now is actually going to be what we call bivalent. So it's going to have two strains, very similar to what we do for influenza. What's the most predominant strain? Put it in the vaccine to protect. So really, the vaccination that we get in the fall should be much superior to what we have now as long as we can predict which strain is going to be the dominant one going forward. And is there any risks, per se, if we keep getting them every four months? Or You know, it's, it's one of those where we're going to learn how well the body remembers, and hopefully we're going to, again, get to a more specific vaccine and then watch the trends in the community. I'm hoping that this is going to be an annual shot in the fall, um, but mm-hmm. certainly time will tell as this little uh, virus has really wreaked havoc with all of us. It's very much like going to be like the flu shot that, you know, in theory, we should all get uh, once a year, right? Absolutely. And you would hope that in the future, it's going to be one shot. You're going to get influenza and COVID in the exact same shot. So it's going to only be one jab in the arm. One one shot uh, shopping as it goes. (laughs) Jane, thank you for the call and good luck with all of that. Here is the 708 area code saying, I tested positive two weeks ago. When am I no longer contagious? 
Well, I wish that question was super easy to answer because that would be nice to just be able to say day X. It really is going to be based on your symptoms. So if you still have a fever, you still have a cough, we're going to consider you uh, still being contagious, just as we would almost any other illness. People also have to understand that they can continue to test positive and not be contagious. So we're telling most people 10 to 14 days after their symptoms have abated that they will no longer be contagious. So be careful during that time. And anyone you're around is going to have that in the back of their mind as well. So if you can easily say, hey, haven't had symptoms for 10 to 14 days, I am good. You know, that's certainly the way that we can go and decrease the spread. Here's Lisa with Dr. Kevin Most. You're on WGN. Good morning, uh, Dr. Most and Dean. So my question is, we have been thinking my mother had COVID like a year and a half ago. And we've been thinking all this time that she's had like that long COVID, but she's kind of been like in a brain fog. Then last week she was in the emergency room in the hospital. She had a CAT scan. We found out that she had a stroke. Uh Uh, Lost the phone line. We lost the phone line there. So how do you differentiate between, you know, uh, symptoms of COVID and other things which may be going on, I guess. I hope yeah, that's the question. Know, it, and Lisa has a very interesting question, right? They assumed it was long COVID, and what her mother might have had is a bunch of mini strokes, but some of the, the symptoms for stroke and some of the symptoms for long COVID are certainly kind of there, you know, a little bit about confusion and things. But really for stroke, we're looking for muscle weakness. We're looking for slurred speech. We're looking for very specific things. But having many strokes can certainly give this. And I would say anybody who has that concern, certainly get in to see your doctor because it can be your thyroid that's causing you to be tired. It can be anemia. It can be diabetes. There are so many different things that can cause it. It can be AFib in your heart. So certainly getting into your doctor instead of just assuming it's probably long COVID would be a great idea. Yeah, Dr. Kevin Most is Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Kev, have a great day today. Thank you so much. You got it, Dean. Take care. So I got an interesting email from somebody this week. Actually, it was a Facebook uh, message. Yes. That read, I'm a friend of Schwani from Los Angeles. Okay. I'm going home now. (laughs) I'm done. I know who this is. That's all I have to give you? That's all you have to say. The other week you were talking about prom pictures, so afterwards I asked Dave. Oh, he went and did this? I, I So I went and asked Dave if he had his. He responded with the picture that I am forwarding to you. I'm never speaking. No, I'm kidding. And I now have a picture of Schwani. Schwani's prom picture. <laughs> he told me. I talked with him on Friday night. And he said, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, he wasted no time busting yeah, you. And he already <laughs> did it. Very attractive oh, young girl that you went to the prom with. Was a very, very nice. And I'm still in touch with her. She is a person that makes this world a better place. I'm serious. She is just nice. great. No, she's great. She's just great. And then there is the issue of your yellow ruffled shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a brown tuxedo you have? Yes, it's a it's a chocolate brown tuxedo. Chocolate brown tuxedo. Now it ruffled shirt. Okay. Shirt with the ruffles Does it on the not front, match? Which I had I had the same thing by the way in, uh, yeah. in powder blue, so yeah. 
I so don't make fun of me. Just fortunately, there are no pictures of me that, that I know of that, <laughs> that exist. That you know of. All right, Andy, we are pretty, now going to launch sure a they, very intense investigation. You're never going to find any. Okay. You're never going to find any, but I didn't. Now, you have to give me credit. I didn't post this. Okay, all I right. Could, I could have posted I know this you immediately. Have. I know you could have. So can i post it i don't care it's actually i like the picture i think it's a good picture yeah you look like uh who is that guy that hosted the dating game that's what you look like on this oh jim lang jim, jim lang, lang. Yeah, jim lang. <laughs> hey let's meet our couple <laughs> 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 That's what you look like. With your aviator glasses. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was 1975, actually. Yeah. So, wow. But, okay, he, all right, I'm, you know what? I just got a text that might be from him because <laughs> he listens to us online. And, um, no, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not, uh, he told me he wasn't. Planning on doing that, yeah, but then again, and he, he went ahead and did it. He's a big fat liar, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate it. By the way. <laughs> I won't. I won't say. Should I? I don't know if I should say. Did his you name respond on the to him? No. Oh, he'd like to hear from you. Yeah, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> very busy trying to figure out what post you're going to uh, do with those pictures. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, just that one, and not those other pictures my pictures you know what i'm talking about my bribal you know what i'm talking about the pictures that i've instructed you that if anything ever happens run to my house Mm -hmm. and get those those one those are the ones before the officials find them (laughs) the officials find them (laughs) before the authorities find them (laughs) those pictures that i have (laughs) yeah those nothing but fun now i know Another text uh, is coming because we're talking about the WGN 100th anniversary. Uh, this Thursday, we're having our big uh, celebration. WGN turning 100 years old on May 19th. And uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. on WGN TV, we're presenting our WGN Radio 100th anniversary documentary that we've put together, saluting the station's past and present. So, you know, we're going to go back for some special moments that we've had on this show. We've got the Drew Carey uh, moment uh, coming up when Drew Carey called in when all of our guests canceled one morning. Uh, but before I play that, I got a, a text in uh, that sent me this audio clip, Shwani. You're going to love this. It is. Uh, it, it was from when WGN was only on the air for 13 years, 1930. Oh, wow. 1935. Uh, it is from a, a Three Stooges short called The Horse's Collars, where Mo, Larry, and Curly are in the Old West, and they're trying to break into a safe, and Curly is in front of a safe, you know, spinning the knob back and forth, spinning the knob back and forth. You are listening to station WGN. Our Memorial Day musical program continues. It's a radio. Turn it off. <laughs> It's a radio. Turn it off. And you didn't you didn't play it long enough for him to go. <laughs> and then when the bandits walk up to Curly and they surround him, you want to run the whole thing. The guy says, basically, you want to run the whole thing. Before I string you up, I'm going to give you the beating of your life. 
I knew that would set you off. <laughs> like yeah. I knew that would. That's a classic uh, WGN How line, that, though? though. How about yeah. that, though? From 1935, that the Stooges had, you know, somebody or one of the writers, somebody had WGN on their mind. When they put together that, when, yes. they, were, when they were filming that. That's, yes. a, that's a, quite amazing. By the way, I got a text from my uh, friend in Los Angeles. <laughs> he said, I couldn't help myself. So <laughs> that's a good, it's all right. That's a good friend right there. Yeah, He is a good friend. He was up, up, no. <laughs> up until a few minutes ago. <laughs> uh, in just a moment, we go back to uh, what was the year on this here? Let me see. We've got all these uh, old tapes that were running. May 4th, the year 2000, the morning that all of my guests on the show canceled. Drew Carey was listening to our show in, uh, I, I, I think he was in Disneyland or Disney World. I'm not sure. He was at one of the Disney properties where WGN was broadcast. And uh, he decided to call in because all my other guests canceled. That's coming up next. All right, 1017 is the time. This is Dean Richards Sunday morning on WGN as we uh, get ready to celebrate WGN's 100th anniversary this coming Thursday on May the 19th. Uh, Don't forget to tune in for the 100th anniversary documentary uh, celebrating the station's past and present. Uh, Thursday night, 7 p.m. on WGN-TV. I uh, thought we'd go back this morning for some of our special moments that we've had here on uh, not 100, but nearly 30 years uh, for me here as a host on WGN Radio. Uh, one of those moments, one of the most memorable moments, came on a Sunday morning back in the year 2000. May 4th, the year 2000. Literally, uh, a half an hour before the show was supposed to start, we had a full show booked. I don't remember who was supposed to be on the show that morning, but within a half an hour of us going on the air, every single guest called in and canceled their appearance. Somebody was sick. Somebody couldn't make it. Somebody, you know, there were a variety of reasons. All the guests were (laughs) gone, uh, which is really not that big of a deal because we can just open up our phone lines and we always have fun. Just talking with you on the on the phones out there, but uh, I, I went on the air, came on the air, and you know, in my usually overly dramatic way, uh, so oh, all of our guests have canceled. What are we going to do? If there are any celebrities out there listening? Give us a call. And people started calling in, doing impersonations of celebrities. <laughs> Somebody impersonating John Wayne called up. Somebody impersonating Sylvester Stallone called up. I mean, just one after the other. The listeners were having a ball uh, pretending to be celebrities on the phone. Uh, And I said, uh, or in my ear, my producer at the time, Scott Cameron, uh, in my ear goes, Drew Carey is on line five. And I thought he meant somebody impersonating Drew Carey was on line five. So, you know, we went on and I made... Drew Carey on line five, wait for a few minutes, uh, you know, and then we finally went to him and this is what happened. Uh, let's see. This is Drew. It says yeah. on, on line one. Hi, Dean. It's Drew Carey. Get out of here. It's, yeah. I'm in my, I swear to God, I can't believe they kept me on hold for so long and you're looking for a guest. I'm in Disney World. This is really Drew Carey. Yeah, it's really Drew Carey. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm in Disney World. I, you I'm know watching... why I kept you on hold so long? Because I thought you were somebody goofing on us. No, I'm at Disney World. And I'm watching it on. Uh, I'm watching your show on TV. There, you know, like... 
<laughs> I guess you're owned by Disney. Well, no, actually, we're not owned by Disney. Now, you know how on hotel rooms they have radio stations? Yeah. WGN at the, at the WCBS Disney. is on another station. Yeah, at the Disney resorts, we're, we're on the uh, television system there. Yeah. And you, you just, you're, wa- you're watching I'm packing. I'm getting the WGN today. channel, and you have us turned on, and you heard about our dilemma. Yeah, I had you on while I was packing, and I heard you had your guest canceled, <laughs> and I thought, well, i got nothing to do. <laughs> when I said, when I said, if there are any celebrities listening, I, and it said Drew. I was already on hold when he it, said that. Yeah, it said Drew on the phone line. I thought, well, you know, somebody's goofing around saying that they're Drew Carey. Someone's going to call up and do a bad Drew Carey impersonation. Oh, no. No, it's me. Holy smokes. This is very cool. See, so I'm going to make up for all the celebrities. Again, I, I love your show. Thank you. Oh, yeah, especially now. I you saved your ass. You did. <laughs> well, that's, well, and there's that. <laughs> and there's that. Uh, a Drew Carey show is seen in syndication on our sister station, WGN Television. Oh, no kidding. Here in Chicago. Oh, that's good. It's on every night at 6.30. I watch it all the time. I've come to a couple of tapings of your show. That's how much I like it. Oh, have you looked Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Oh, thanks. And you are, uh, I mean, you're just like one of the hottest guys on ABC right now. I was now. on during sweeps, the one couple of sweeps ago when I was on Geppetto and everything. I was on six hours of prime time. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the... I don't know if that was a record. Besides Regis, I think you are probably the most per- seen person on ABC, right? Well, I beat Regis because he's only on for three hours. <laughs> I was on two millionaires. He's on four millionaires that week, but I was on two millionaires. Plus an hour, Drew Carey, because they had one and a half hours of repeat. An hour, Who's Line, which is the funniest show on TV. It, you know what? It's, it is absolutely hilarious. Tell, tell me how, I mean, I know that's a show that started in England. Oh, yeah, it's a radio show in England. Right, but uh, you just were a fan of that show and decided to adapt it and bring it to American TV? Well, you know what? I didn't. I never watched it till Ryan Stiles got, um, uh, he's on Who's Line, he plays Lewis on the Drew Carey show. Right. So Ryan Stiles got um, cast on the Drew Carey show. And he said, oh, I do the show Who's Line. I go, I heard about it on cable. And uh, I never really watched it, and I watched it because he was on it. It's really funny. I don't know if, if you've never seen it, you have, you have to watch I, it. It's I watch it all the TV. time. I watch it all the time. You know what? I, I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I'm not blowing smoke, uh, you know, up your butt saying this to you. <laughs> the, the American version, I think, is a hundred times funnier. I don't know if it's... Uh, British producers think that the American version is better. I, I think I think it's much funnier. And I don't know if it's the, the, the people that you have, Ryan Stiles, and the other uh, comedians, the improvisational comedians whose names escape me. But the, the regular cast that you have on there are so hilarious. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Stiles, Colin Mockery. Is the uh, again Wayne Brady are always on the show. Wayne Brady does all the, a lot of the music stuff, and then we rotate the fourth seat all the time. But those guys, um, you know, those guys are so funny, and everybody says they like my show, and all I do is tell them what to do. I just read the stupid cards. Yeah, but I think you know you have that. You're you're sort of the the straight man for all of the madness that's yeah, going kinda, on. Yeah, kind of. But you know that's and, and that's all a, funny. Stuff. Well, that's a, it's essential though. You know, you you're feeding everybody just the right thing. How much preparation is there? Absolutely no. Planning for the improvisational community. Oh yeah, it's all made up. Well, you know, they, yeah, they, they have no idea what's going to happen before the performers the show. don't. But it's really one of the most planned shows because everything on the everything that I read off the cards is planned ahead of time. And uh, like we'll play games like uh, dating game where they you know try to guess they give each other each guy a character to play. You know, and so they'll pretend they're on a dating game, and they'll give each bachelor a date, uh, character to play, and they have to try to guess who they are. Mm-hmm. And we try to make the characters something that the perform will do well and in characters that will interact with each other and stuff like that so that kind of stuff is well thought out even though the performers don't know what they're going to do none of the performers ever know what they're going to do but, uh, that kind of stuff we try to plan out ahead of time and then when you know if i'm going to do a hoedown let's say you know and i ask for a hoedown suggestion from the audience they yell out all kinds of different stuff and i try to pick out something that we can use the best so it's not like we're trying to kill ourselves up there. We're just, we're trying to get you know we're trying to be as funny as we can be. Yeah, you know we went on and talked for like a half an hour 
uh, that morning. <laughs> no preparation, no nothing. I mean, he's just the nicest guy. And, uh, you know, how nice of him was that? To uh, He had the close circuit feed on when he was staying at the Disney Resort. WGN at the time, we were partners uh, with, uh, you know, Disney, uh, all things Disney back in the day. And uh, so, you know, they pumped in WGN radio on their closed circuit system. He happened to be listening. He didn't have to call in. He didn't have to stop what he was doing uh, to help out, you know, uh, the idiot who uh, was on the radio whose guests had all uh, canceled. People are are getting on uh, our text line. Uh, remembering that morning as well, saying that listeners started to call in as well, saying that they were they were canceling as well. Listeners were calling in and canceling that morning. It was a fun morning. It turned out to be a really fun morning. But uh, here's 630 area code. Uh, thanks for revisiting the Drew Carey interview. I remember exactly where I was when that phone call came through. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I remember it so well. And I remember that I, I left him on hold for a pretty long time, maybe 10 minutes, something like that, while I went through all of the other people who were pretending to be celebrities and just goofing around on the phone lines. Uh, and that's why he said, I can't believe you left me on hold for such a long time, because I thought he was kidding. And I've seen Drew Carey since then, and he clearly remembers that morning that he called in a Chicago radio station, uh, and we had that uh, fantastic conversation. I think we've got the full uh, phone call, the full half-hour interview posted someplace uh, on WGNRadio.com if you uh, want to hear that. This is just a short, abbreviated version. And by the way, uh, have you all just watched any of the reruns of the Drew Carey show? We run them on our uh, nostalgia station, Rewind TV. Uh, it's on Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Central Time. The old Drew Carey show with uh, Craig Ferguson, who is featured in the cast, and Ryan Stiles, who he was uh, talking about. It, it's a still a hilarious show. Uh, it has it has aged very well, and it's still quite hilarious. So if you're a fan of Drew Carey, you can still watch it on uh on Rewind TV, it's it's uh, there for you. Now, coming up in our next half hour, uh, we're going to go back for some of the memories of when the producers opened in Chicago. The producers' musical, stage musical, uh, world premiered here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, Mel Brooks came into town, and we had a great conversation with him and Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. And, uh, you know, nobody had seen at at the time that we had spoken with them, which you'll hear those interviews coming up in our uh, theater segment today. Nobody had seen the producer's musical yet. And Mel Brooks explains what it is uh, that he did hilariously, of course. And, uh, you know, it went on to win, what was it, 10 or 12 Tony Awards. It still has set the record for the most Tony Awards won by any show. Uh, went on to New York and, you know, became one of the biggest shows in theater history. But before any of that happened, it was here in Chicago first. We talked with them first, and uh, we'll share uh, all of that and uh, little pieces of the show as well. Still to come for you this morning as we uh, get ready for the 100th anniversary of WGN Radio this coming Thursday. Uh, we're also going to go back and uh, remember some of our favorite interviews. Uh, I was so happy that I was able to find 
a an in-studio interview that I remember so well with Julia Child, uh, the French chef. She was in Chicago promoting something. And uh, she came in studio. She brought me a little cake. She she, she came in the studio. I brought you this little cake. Uh, and we had a nice dessert that day, thanks to Julia Child. But we had a nice conversation. So uh, that was one of my memorable moments uh, in my nearly 30 years of the 100 here on uh, WGN. Uh, other great moments, the, the many times that we visited with the legendary Betty White. We'll share that with you. Uh, the time that we sat down and talked with the great Dick Van Dyke. We've had some amazing, amazing A-listers here with us on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, and we'll go back and uh, remember my last conversation ever with uh, the great Bob Collins, who without a doubt is one of the most uh, popular, one of the most influential uh, broadcasters in WGN history. All of that and more is all still to come for you. Wait. 1038 Dean Richard Sunday morning on WGN. It was in February of the year 2001 that uh, Mel Brooks took his classic motion picture, The Producers, that starred Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder, and took it to the Broadway stage with uh, a whole list of uh, fantastic and hilarious songs. And, uh, you know, uh, staged it here in Chicago for a month first, February 1st to February 25th of the year 2001. Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick starred as Max Bialystok and Leo Bloom. Uh, and then it went to Broadway to the St. James Theater there, where it went on to win a record breaking number of Tony Awards. Uh, before any of that happened, we went over to, I believe it was the Cadillac Palace Theater. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure it was the Cadillac Palace. Uh, in uh, their uh, enormous uh, lobby and sat down with the cast of the show, with Matthew Broderick, with Nathan Lane, and with the one and only uh, Mel Brooks, who uh, was uh, you know, just uh, hilarious in the conversation that we had with him. Uh, in taking this classic motion picture and uh, taking a chance with it at this point on stage. How does it feel to, to be messing with the Mona Lisa? You, messing with the Mona Lisa. You know, I'm writing lyrics now, so that's a wonderful little, <laughs> little, little burst of alliteration. Messing with the Mona Lisa, yes, I like it. You've got a masterpiece. You've got a masterpiece. Film, another ram. Messing with the masterpiece, Mona Lisa. Yeah, yeah. For the rap version of this. Oh, you know, it's it just this is a love letter. The producers is a love letter to Broadway. So we're not going out of line. We're we're just expanding it. You know, it's uh, it was meant to go to heaven, and we've taken it to heaven. You know. Are you concerned that because there there are such aficionados of this film? They know every line. They can yeah. recite it. That they're going to feel like you've like you've changed. The- yeah, I know it's a problem, but you know, I mean, but I hope they'll understand and buy the all the. They'll get sucked in by all the great new stuff, and they'll they'll forgive us for messing with some of the old old stuff, you know, because it, uh, a musical must make that metamorphosis between film and stage. You know, it has to happen. 
You were talking about how David Geffen kind of got the ball rolling yeah. with this, although other people had approached you about doing it. What, what was the creative process like for you? Of uh, You wrote 14, 15 new songs for this whole thing. When yeah. did that explosion of creativity for this whole, whole thing get going? You know, it's been a long time since I left business, you know. My first movie was The Producers. There was no business attached to it. Pure art, pure joy. I didn't care if they paid me. I just wanted them to do it. My next movie was very much the same. It, it, was, it was a little movie called The Twelve Chairs. I did it in Yugoslavia. A, a novel by Ilfin Petra, Petrov that I adapted. And then, for a while, for about five years, I loved making movies. It was my muse, it was my art. And then after a while, I was in business. What's the next one, Mr. Brooks? And, and, I, and they all stunk until I got to history of the world and I got creative again. You know, it's good to be the king. And, uh, and then I, I cooled it for a while because nothing spoke to me. Nothing, nothing said to me, you've got to do this, this is great. And then uh, the idea of doing the producers and writing 15 new songs, new melodies, new lyrics. And I was in heaven again. It was like, it was like I, I was born, you know, the muse was alive in me again, you know. So. So you and some to, of the songs are good. You, yeah. So you wanted, you wanted to feed your own uh, creative soul. Yeah, of course. Of I mean, you know, we get into this business because we, we're artists and it's a great joy. And then the minute we're in it, you know, somebody manages us and we get a we get an agent, and then we're booked, and suddenly we're we're a commodity, and we're no we're no longer an artist, you know. So it's been a long time, and boy, am I happy to be doing what I'm doing again. To to have uh, a project like this with the stars, and I mean, this is to have full, full guns. To man. have Nathan Lane as Max Bialystok, and and Matthew Broderick as Leo Bloom, and Susan Stroman with her. Her magic wand. She Stroman is the girl. She's the girl. She puts show, the show, into show business. She gives you all your dreams, all your dreams of glory are right on the stage. She knows that's her job and she does it. Oh, this has been this has been a honeymoon right from the beginning. Why, why did you decide to bring it here first? To Chicago? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good question. There's a lot of sophisticated people. When I first did my first movie. The producers, the original one. <clears throat> it ran for a year in only three places in America and nowhere else. Didn't run anywhere else. It played in New York, in L.A., and Chicago. And uh, it was discovered by the late, great Gene Siskel and Roger, Roger Ebert. They both, they were in opposite camps then. The Trib and the Sun Times, they got together, they took me out to dinner, and they raved about the genius of this movie. And it, and it played here close to a year. So Chicago is, is producer's town, you know. And no, there are enough sophisticates here, and now there are enough people who can travel from Indiana, etc., who are not so sophisticated, who will love it as a musical and not be so strict about why did you change this to that, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful 
melting pot for, for them. Uh, there must have been a lot of, when the movie first came out, it's too Jewish, it's too controversial. Oh, please. It's too outrageous. A, a musical number about Hitler, unbelievable. Oh, please. Was, it, yeah. Do you think the climate has changed a lot? Well, I do. Like I think bad taste is in good taste now. It's taken a long time, but, you know, I finally... They finally caught up Right, you, right. <laughs> okay, that's all you're going to say to me. You have one more question left. Quick. I do have one more question. Uh, this, this is great. Uh, let me see if I can divine the question. Okay. Uh, You've been asked all these questions a million times. That's <clears throat> the no. question is... Yes. See? I know I get it. <laughs> get it. The question is. The question is. Uh, this this is a, a great project for you right now. What else do you want to do? What else is burning that that creative? This is what I want to do. When they write the book on Mel Brooks, the, the, some other projects. I can't tell you. I'm in the very. If you're making love to somebody, it, it would be inappropriate to think. Uh, well, who's the next one I'm going to jump on? You know what I mean? I mean, it, it ain't nice. I'm, I'm making love to this project. I'm, I'm hopelessly head over heels in love with this project. But so, everybody has a little so, fantasy about yeah. who they're going to jump on next. Though, I, 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 I'm, I'm in the vortex of this. I'm just circling around and, you know, and, and, and I'm happy. <laughs> Wonderful. When actors start saying it in rehearsal. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that was uh, a, a fun conversation. I was lucky enough to have uh, interviewed Mel Brooks a couple of more times, uh, each time hilarious, uh, each time more entertaining than the next. Uh, it was great. Uh, the The run of the producers here in Chicago was amazing for the uh, short month that it was here before it went on to Broadway to win 12 Tony Awards, still a record-breaking number of Tony Awards uh, for uh, one show. Uh, and, you know, it, it kind of in the context of why we're going back for these interviews from our archives today is to celebrate the 100th birthday, uh, 100th anniversary of WGN, which will be this Thursday. Uh, we've had, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, who were the most legendary people that we've had here on our Sunday show, on our theater segments, whoever has been in town, uh, you know, doing uh, projects on stage, have been with us here on uh, WGN. And I guess Mel Brooks is probably uh, one of my favorites. We've had so many performances, live performances in our our studios. This is the song that won uh, one of the world's biggest music competitions. Are you familiar with Eurovision? Have you ever heard of the Eurovision Song Contest? Well, there's more uh, exposure about it now because uh, Volodymyr Zelensky has chimed in saying that uh, he wants to host it the next time around. That would would be fantastic if uh, he did that. Uh, His country, Ukraine, was the winner of the Eurovision uh, Song Contest that took place yesterday. Uh, I've been in Europe when the Eurovision contest is going on. Everything stops. Hmm. It's uh, it's the most phenomenal thing. People just you know love this competition. They uh, all the countries of Europe participate in it. They submit a, a group and a song, and they all perform. And there's a, this elaborate voting process. And this group uh, called the Kalush Orchestra, let me bring the song back up again here, the group called the Kalush Orchestra, their song is called Stefania, 
uh, wound up being the uh, winner, and Ukraine was uh, the big winner of the uh, competition last night. It was a nice song, beautiful choreography, uh, lots of uh, lots of great uh, choreography. The UK came in second, Spain came in third, uh, so it was uh, it was fun. I watched it uh, online. You know, because nobody carries it. Here in the United States, nobody cares about stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, I watched it on a Swedish television station online uh, yesterday, and uh, it was really entertaining to see the kind of music that's coming out of other countries and other cultures. And uh, I was happy to see uh, Ukraine get a, you know, a small piece of uh, victory uh, with uh, with their performance yesterday. And with everything that's going on in Ukraine right now, you have to hand it to them even more uh, that they went ahead with this to enter the contest yeah. and, and to be a part of it, and then they come out the winner. Uh, President Zelensky uh, came out with a statement saying, Our courage impresses the world. Our music conquers Europe. Next year, Ukraine will host Eurovision. That would be fantastic. Let's uh, let's uh, you know hope, hope that winds up being the case. So congratulations to them on that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the candy of our ute. Mm-hmm. Because I had... That generated a lot of conversation. Oh, my gosh. The phone lines exploded. <laughs> Never mind whatever the current events of the day are. The actual news of the day is. You talk about uh, what kind of candy did you like as candy, a kid? Candy, ice cream, the, hot dogs. The phones exploded. They went, Both the text line and the phone lines all went crazy. Uh, last year, all all because of my stupid little statement. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I was tired. I said I was tired, and I was. Com- I know you find it hard to believe. I was complaining all morning that I was <laughs> tired. You wanted the, that planter's peanut. Bar. I wanted. I had a taste for a pla- planter's peanut bar, which uh, I have gotten probably about five hundred emails on. Over the last couple of weeks, of people telling me that they used to love it too, uh, they can't find it either. Uh, but but it, look at our listeners, dear Mister Richards, like, Mister Richards. I like anybody who calls me Mister Richards. Mister Richards, yeah. proper respect for a show host. Schwani is what that's called. <laughs> Maybe you should learn some of it. <laughs> Dear Mr. Richards, I love your program, all the great news, and informing us on what's going on as you are very entertaining yourself. (laughs) I listen as much as I can to your Sunday show and was listening last week when you were wanting the Planters Peanut Bar. As far as I can tell, they no longer make it, but I did do some research and reviews and have found these peanut bars are very comparable. He sent a box, a a, a box of, I don't know, like 24 bars. Hmm. It's a different brand, but they are exactly the same peanut. Did you try one? Yes. Did you like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Checked it for razor blades first. (laughs) (laughs) Go through our usual process of (laughs) checking things that people send us. (laughs) You never know. Uh, But it was very nice of him. He, 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 He bought. This box of these peanut bars, uh, wrapped it up, <laughs> sent it to us. It was sitting on my desk. I got it this morning. This is why we have the best listeners in the world. It's very true. It said, if you don't like them, leave them in the break room. I'm sure they will disappear. 
which is very true. That's true. And any any radio or broadcast outlet, yeah. leave food out, it will be gone. It'll be gone. It'll be gone. It's assigned your loyal fan, Chuck Williams. So, Chuck, thank you very much. That's very, very nice of you. So you're going to share? Could. <laughs> I mean, after all, I have brought you bugles before. You have. I have. Yeah, you have. So, Andy? Bugles. You want you want to you want to would you help partake? me out here? Would you partake if I I try? Yeah, I'd have one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack, can you run back? Run back to my uh, my uh, desk area, my palatial uh, office area, and uh, the, they're sitting right on top of my desk there. Right away, Mister Richards. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it, doesn't he? He's a little snotty today. I'm going to have to knock him down a few pegs. I've been trying to be Now, nice. if, if there's one that says there for Schwanny, don't take that one. Because that's, that's the one where I'll be on the floor in five if, seconds. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else don't tampered use with that them. One. But I, I may have added something to the to the mix. Well, let's see how fast Jack can bring those into producer, the new producer, Jack, who's uh, getting snottier by the day, by the way. Feeling comfortable, isn't he? He is. He's feeling a little too comfortable. I like to keep... Well, well then we'll just have to do another quiz segment. I have to... Uh... He did not correctly answer my Andy Griffith question. Yeah, let's see. That's I don't even know how he got hired. You, you really should... <laughs> you should really be the one hiring the producers for the show. <laughs> I know they they go you know the our management team you know they they do all that stuff, but really, Shawnee, you should be the one asking the important questions <laughs> before anyone's hired. <laughs> Just because I ask some obscure question about uh, Andy Griffith. Yeah, next on our list, uh, do you know? Can you name at least two members of the Archies? <laughs> <laughs> So where did Jack go? Does he think we're still in Tribune Tower? I think he went across the street. Yeah, I see him out the window. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he's waving to, to us. Don't bring him in here. He's bringing him in here. Take him to Shawnee. Yeah, again, the one, the one without my name on it. I'll take that one. He's bringing him in right now. <laughs> Where'd he go? Is he coming in? There he is. Yes. Yep. There he is. Okay. All right. Very nice. Good morning. Oh, I've seen these. Thank you. Andy. Andy Old Dominion, Andy, may Old we Dominion Peanut Company. All right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Cholesterol-free. You'll like that, Dean. I love that. Cholesterol-free since 83. I had one already, and I quite enjoyed it. All right. Hang on. This feels like it's in two sections. Yeah. I'll bet in the 100-year history of WGN, this is the first time that there's been a whole segment on eating a peanut bar. Probably right. <laughs> Shwani, you need a little help opening that package? I just got it. I just got it. <laughs> just be, be patient, will you? How is it, Andy? That's good. <laughs> oh, I broke a tooth. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. <laughs> so? This is good. Yes, it's right? fine. Yeah. Yeah, they're not bad. Thank you. Thank you again. Uh, <laughs> you Okay. <laughs> Don't scare me, because none of us know the Heimlich Maneuver here. I know it, but I'm not so sure I want to administer it on you. Thank you again, 
Chuck Williams for for choking my news man. <laughs> you okay, Shwani? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I must say, in the 100-year history of WGN, this is one of the more entertaining segments that we have provided to you through the years. Uh, it is 11.16, still to come for you. My conversations with Dick Van Dyke and Betty White, all on the way. Thank you for being a friend. So as we continue getting set to celebrate WGN Radio's 100th anniversary, we uh, celebrate this morning uh, going back for some of our favorite moments. For our nearly 30 years, just about 30 years for me as host here on WGN Radio, among my favorite A-list interviews, and we have talked to everybody through the years, has been uh, the the great Betty White, who we just lost last New Year's Eve. Uh, She was on the phone with us. Uh, We would go to her wherever she was making an appearance, usually a charity appearance for an animal group here in Chicago. Uh, one time she even came in our studio one early Sunday morning. Betty, what, what were the, the years for, uh, or how many years were you on uh, Golden Girls? On Golden Girls, seven. We were on for seven years. We did 180 shows, and it was such fun. Oh, it was. And the four of us had such fun together. Uh, well, it also happened on the Mary Tyler Moore show. We would be sitting doing let's say on rehearsal day we spent a lot of time around the table in the kitchen mm-hmm. and uh, so the the cameras would go off and and usually everybody splits and goes back to their dressing room and, and come on. we would just sit there and continue to talk and one day on um uh, golden girls uh, rue was there and she was talking she told us the four of us were sitting there and she said she was splitting with her husband. They were getting a divorce and she had been married several times and because uh, she had fallen for somebody else and got and all of a sudden she looked up and there's a live mic. Of, oh. She said, oh my, I haven't even told my mother. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. Uh, that, it had to be very gratifying to be on that show also because so often I hear actresses saying there aren't a lot of really great roles for women. And here are four spectacular roles, spectacularly written, strong, independent, hilarious. Uh, oh, it, it's just unbelievable. I... I cannot believe my luck that at this late date in my life that I'm still working, but they uh, there aren't that many good women's roles. But when they are good, they I think that's changing a little. I think that's balancing out a little more again now. But when they are good, oh, they're so wonderful. Yeah, thank goodness uh, that there are. Jim is in Naperville and wants to say hi. You're on WGN with Betty White. Hey, thanks, Dean. Hi, Betty. Hi, Jim. How are you? Real good. Real good. Oh. Hey, Betty, I wanted to say how much I enjoyed you on Boston Legal. You mentioned earlier David E. Kelly's uh, influence, and you really brought uh, a good twist uh, to that program by introducing a new character and 
uh, every week we were able to follow her shenanigans, and I just thought you were wonderful. Did you enjoy that role as much as the others? Oh, yes, and you saw me. You saw me commit murder. Yeah. <laughs> and you saw me go to trial, and you saw me get away with it. I don't know how David does that. And you saw me rob a convenience store twice at gunpoint and get away with it. And you watch me kidnap my best friend out of her retirement home and get away with it. I don't know how David does that, but it was great fun. <laughs> I wish you could see the, the look on her face as she said that. Ooh, it was great fun. <laughs> I appreciate the call, Jim. Thank you. Let's go Thank to you, Jim. Emily and Niles is next. You're on WGN. Good morning. Good morning, Miss Betty White. Thank you for being the person you are. Well, thank you for being a friend. I appreciate and that very much. It's just a pleasure to talk to you because I think we're the same age. I wouldn't and be surprised. 87? Are you that Oh, old? no, no, no. I'm going to be 84. Well, see, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> you are way ahead of me because what you do is just wonderful. Not only the acting, but the fact that you are helping animals, and I do the same thing. And I think that's what keeps us going, the fact that you want to help. Well, I am, again, I say, so lucky. My life is divided into two halves. Half is show business, half half is animal well-being. And the two things I love the most, how can you ask for anything better than that? Right. And most of all, that we are able to do it. That's right. And and get away with it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I I appreciate your... And and when you were on Regis's show, I was so proud of you. You were the best one there. Oh, no, that was Password. And I I have a special sentimental love for Password because I... I married the man in the middle years ago. <laughs> yeah, Alan Ludden, of course. But, uh, Emily, thank you so much for uh, the call. Thank you thank very you, much. Emily, thank very you, Miss White. Speaking of appearing on other shows, uh, you were on the Craig Ferguson show uh, recently, uh, just before the Oscars. And uh, I, I'm, first of all, I'm shocked that you're 87 years old because you look fantastic. <laughs> that is not showbiz, blah, blah, blah talk. You look fantastic. You've got to go to your Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I'm I'm appreciating the Craig Ferguson uh, bit that you did even more now knowing that where the the end of this segment that you did <laughs> Craig Ferguson was that you're saying something it's like uh, I'm out of here bitch something like that. <laughs> I do Craig about every uh, oh four five six weeks and he has he always introduces somebody at one point he was going to do his taxes on the air encouraging people to do taxes so he introduced his tax expert and of course it was me and I came out. Another time he was going to get his flu shot and in, in, to incur on yeah. the air and he introduced this nurse and of course I walked out so this last time I was a Girl Scout <laughs> <laughs> for which I should get a stunt check. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny. Those, those scenes are very funny. Here's Ron in Park Forest. You're next with Betty White on WTN. Oh, talking to Betty White. This is amazing. First you're selling yourself short. Everything you have ever touched, every role, people remember it. We can talk about Mary Tyler Moore. We can talk about, you know, Carol Burnett, all these. But these people remember this for certain shows. You, every show you go to, people remember. I remember there was a movie that was a terrible movie. But they promoted it on your small cameo. It was, you made this phrase 
uh, no, I hope he eats you whole. That was it. <laughs> it was it was the first this monster, and this oh, it was an alligator. It was a horrible. <laughs> but your little scene was so funny. Oh. So yes, yes, yes. The writers are important. Yes, you know, Alan Thicke is a very good writer, but he can't. Do it, you know, only some people can deliver like you. Oh. And then the other thing is, I want to say, every year you are in, you're always the best looking person. In that year, just like he said, he took the words right out of my mouth. I'm like, this See? person looks spectacular at whatever age she's in. See, so you are really, really special, and no one. No one, I, I don't see the interviews that should be given to you. I don't see, because ev- literally every role you've ever been in, people remember you specifically. Oh, so well, never I never thought you so short. Betty, do you want me to get a phone number off the air for you? Oh, no, and I'm going to mail him my card. <laughs> oh, Ron, thank you so much. It is much. so nice talking to you. She's awesome. Hey, Betty. Hey. hey. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Good, good. Betty White uh, in studio with us this morning. She is uh, about to be honored, and uh, it's going to be kind of a, a casual uh, brunch, I guess, conversation with Betty White. It's going to take place at the Palmer House at noon today. I don't. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 wonderful. It's for the Museum of uh, Broadcasting, and they're getting closer and closer to ha- being completed, and that's going to be something. Yeah, Betty White did many events for the Museum of Broadcast Communication. This interview was 2009. Did you say, uh, uh, Jack? 2009. Uh, among the many times that Betty White uh, joined us. Here on our uh, Sunday show, one of my absolute favorite A-listers in my nearly 30 years here on WGN, part of the 100-year history of uh, WGN Radio, which will be celebrated this Thursday, Thursday night, 7 p.m. on uh, WGN Television. And coming up after uh, the news update at 11.30, uh, the time that we went down to Danville, Illinois, and uh, talked with Dick Van Dyke at his old high school. That's coming up in just a minute. You know, going back into the archive this morning, uh, getting ready for the 100th anniversary of WGN Radio this coming Thursday. Uh, I was looking through, you know, memorable moments on this show, and I, I came across the tapes, literal tapes, of the breast cancer specials that we've done through the years. And I think that's a significant part of, you know, certainly my contribution here over the years. For for about 20 years, we did a three-hour town hall meeting, special broadcast, on where we are in the fight against breast cancer. We did it year after year after year. Uh, it's maybe one of the things I am most proud of that we've done here, both on, on television and radio, from the success of the radio specials. We started doing them on uh, television. But uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say that we've won a number of awards. I am most proud to say that uh, what I used to hear after we would run these specials, somebody would call and say, thank you for doing that show. I didn't know that I might be a candidate for breast cancer until I listened to your show. I went to the doctor. They found something, and I'm going to be okay. And that is just one of the most gratifying things there can be. So uh, this is just a little bit of one of the many three-hour breast cancer specials that we did in the history of WGN Radio. 
WGN Chicago. Most women who will get breast cancer will get it between the ages of roughly 40 and 65. So I was very advanced, but it's going to be almost three years and I'm still here. I attended every doctor visit, every treatment, and I was there as another set of ears. Today is an important opportunity to draw the world's attention to this disease. Why be afraid if I'm not alone? For anyone who has ever heard the words, we think it might be breast cancer, the reactions are usually the same. Shock, fear, sometimes anger. The doctor attempts to comfort and explain, but the cloud above you makes it difficult to understand. The words while being spoken are not being heard. Medical terms begin flying, spinning you in a whirlwind that you don't understand. A battle plan's being laid out that you can't see through the fog. The darkness is almost always there, sometimes lengthy, sometimes brief. Today's program, Coming Out of the Dark, is about how most women in the fight against breast cancer do make it through. How support, information, and knowledge can be the brightest beacons through the clouds. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Dean Richards, your host for another in our Document 720 series on Radio 720 WGN. This afternoon, to commemorate National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we present Coming Out of the Dark, three-hour live documentary examining where we are in the fight against breast cancer and how women and their loved ones are making it through the dark. Breast cancer is the most common form of cancer. Yeah, we did these shows uh, easily for 20 years. Every year in October, uh, we would do these shows. We'd put together uh, a panel of uh, breast cancer survivors, of medical experts, their families. We explored this every possible way that we could. We we had a uh, we, we took you through the the mammography uh, process. Uh, we had a, a, a recording that we went through over at Northwestern, uh, really trying to to bring out as much information as we could on this uh, subject. Uh, I as I say, I'm very very proud of uh, the shows that we did about the fight against breast cancer and is, to me, is a, a very important part of the history of WGN turning 100 years old this coming Thursday. The uh, 100th anniversary documentary will be Thursday night, 7 o'clock on WGN television. One of our other favorite A-listers that we talked to through the years is next, Mr. Dick Van Dyke. 1141. Dean Richards tripping over the Ottoman going back for some uh, special memories of my nearly 30 years here as a host on WGN Radio, part of the 100th anniversary of WGN this coming Thursday, and definitely one of my favorite A-list interviews, Maybe and, and really one of the few times when I was really nervous going into uh, an A-list interview, which normally I am not, but seems like with the, with the classic performers, uh, I, it's a little nerve-wracking. As we went, drove down to Danville, Illinois, and met up with the great Dick Van Dyke at his high school, the Danville High School, his alma mater, and had a fantastic conversation about his career. The hotel, I say, that didn't 
leaving the call. They didn't call me, and I missed it. I missed the audition. You drove all the way down there. That you didn't get your wake up call and missed it. <laughs> yeah, ruined your life. Yeah, I would have been an announcer up. In, How about that? Right into the woods. How about that? So, what does it mean to you to be back here in Danville? Again? Oh God, it's just great. You don't have a foundation, uh, scholarships for kids who have talent. You know, most of the high schools around the country are losing art, music, drama. All those, all that money's gone. We're raising a, a generation of robots because uh, I do support a lot out there. But here, we're going to keep it going, and we're going to give scholarships to kids who've got talent, and a lot of them. All through the Dick Van Dyke Foundation. You, through the Van Dyke Foundation, and uh, that's my main reason to come here. They're refurbishing my childhood home, which I can't move. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, you, God. When you drive through town, do, does it look familiar to you? Does it look like a completely different place to you? There are certain neighborhoods that are exactly the same, uh, but a lot downtown areas, a lot of landmarks are gone that were there before. But I'll recognize about my old high school here and the grade school, everything's still there. So what kind of a student was Dick Van Dyke here at good old Danville High? I was a big man on campus. I, I, I was president of my class, Ooh. vice president of dramatic club, and uh, didn't do very well in my studies. <laughs> time. You're busy having fun. Too social. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were involved in theatrical. You got, you had the bug and kind of knew oh, what you wanted to do. Even yeah. Back well, then. I did. Uh, you know, getting a show business was really t over the rainbow. You never thought about it as a possibility. So I didn't really, but I was in all the shows. And, uh, they wrote shows for for uh, teenagers back in those days. It were pretty all uh, propaganda. Release on Liberty and the uh, boring. Uh, and the only musicals we got to do were operettas. Huh. Kids today get to do hit shows they're off doing, Broadway. They're doing Bye Bye Birdie and like I know I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> we did you know the Merry Wives of Windsor. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. yeah. So from uh, wh when did you actually leave Danville? 1947. 47. Me and my buddy Phil got in his old Chevy, drove all. We were going to do an act for for a lark. It was going to be an experience, and then we were going to come home and do something serious. And one thing led to another, I never got home again. Yeah, it got sidetracked away. You worked uh, at a radio station here in, in Danville. WDAN. Right. Everybody got drafted during the war, and I got the job at 17. Loved it. Oh, Just loved it. Is that, was that sort of what that great Dick Van Dyke show episode was based, where you did the, the DJ marathon? That's right. Is that, based on Danville, yeah. yeah. I mentioned Danville a lot. Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, England to do uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and there was some question about my English accent, which is a big joke. And, and he said, oh, you can just talk in your regular accent, but don't say you're from Danville. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, how about this? Yeah, perfect. Is this amazing? about it. Took him four years, and it's a beautiful thing. How do you feel sitting in it, and what kind of yeah. memories does it bring oh, back? Oh, my God, great memories, great memories. It was such fun shooting that movie. Oh, my God. Those, uh, but the kids, I need the kids in back. Right. right. Yeah. You, you know, one point, it rained so much in England, we weren't getting any shooting done. So we went to the south of France. We're driving through vineyards. Couldn't possibly be England. Nobody's ever brought that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what uh, I mean, Disney and Walt Disney uh, Company really was such a big part of your early part of your movie career. Oh, yes, absolutely. Wasn't it? I was a big fan from the time I was a kid. It was such a thrill to actually 
end up working with him. From the from the cartoons, from Mickey Mouse? And uh, my favorite was Pinocchio. Pinocchio was and your favorite. And hi, diddly dee, an actor's life for me. I said, that's what I want. Wow, it was your theme song. Yeah, you know, the refurbishing uh, Walsh home, uh, childhood home in right. Chicago. We're right. going up. Where you'll later. be on, on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I'm so tickled about this, but the whole thing is raising money for, for the foundation. To, uh, I saw a performance of Bye Bye Birdie here. Couldn't believe the talent of those kids. And, and we'll have more with uh, Dick Van Dyke, including him singing the lyrics to his Dick Van Dyke show theme song that he shared with us when we met up with him in Danville, Illinois. More with Dick Van Dyke coming up next from 2016. Our one-on-one chat with one of my favorite A-listers, Dick Van Dyke, uh, who is at Danville High School, his old alma mater, talking with us about his uh, career and these uh, charming videos that he and his wife put up on social media that uh, we have been showing on uh, WGN TV Morning News. We have shown on our morning TV show on WGN uh, videos of you and your wife and it was a bluegrass band. I don't recall the name of the band. But oh, the Dustbin Revival. We, the, we, we've had them uh, on the show. The Dustbin Revival. Aren't yeah. they great? We've had them. They're so fantastic. Yeah. But there's, I don't think there's anything that we like more than watching you <laughs> dancing around. <laughs> they they uh, came out to the house. They came out to your house. And yeah. you you were just were dancing. You you still have your moves. You have oh, to yeah. slow down I, a bit. It doesn't seem Fred Astaire, when he was in his 80s, I said, you, can you still dance? He said, yeah, but it hurts now. Yeah. I said, I know what you mean. Is that what you're going <laughs> but, but you really seem to love it and uh, oh, yeah. in, enjoy keeping very active. We see you uh, in videos with these uh, flash mobs where you've done... Um, <laughs> Uh, let's go fly a kite, and you know some oh, of the that's right. some yeah. of the, the outdoor things. You you really still seem to love. I you. have a quartet, three guys half my age, and we do all the things from you know pop and stuff. But we dance and everything. We're going to appear at the Tivoli in Chicago in Downers Grove. When we're there, right, right. I can't wait. To, we're going to sing the Danville High School fight song. They don't think we know it. We're going to do it. Can you give us a little preview of that right now? There's a fight. Danville fight for Danville High. Spread fame and honor far and near. Fight, fight. Cheer with all your might, cheer the team without a fight, without might. So t- fight for the old Marine and white. We're always loyal to you. Fight, fight, cheer with all your might to HSBA Bird True. We, I'm going to sing that one with the quartet. That's fantastic. And we'll get everybody to join That's in. Fantastic. I want to surprise them with that one. I'm just going to ask you one more thing. Uh, uh, about what you think of comedy today? So many, I, I interview so many people who have, say how much they have patterned their careers after you. They look to you. They have tried to you know, base their careers on you. You've been, you've been a big inspiration, too. Man, I stole from Stan Laurel and Buster Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just passing it on Passing now. it on. What, what do you think of comedy today and you know, like some of the people who are carrying the torch today? You're not. I, and I just say I don't get it. You know, I don't say it's not funny. It just, I don't get it. There's so much canned laughter. I hear canned laughter from our old show that they sold. <laughs> Honest to God. Wow. It's, they, it, they're only 20 minutes long now. They used to be... 28 minutes. Yeah. So they have to get the story told. But nothing disturbs me like seeing somebody trying too hard to be funny. Do you know who Paul Dooley is? The, the character actor? He was in a million movies. Yeah. One of those people who does effortless comedy. Mm-hmm. He, he just did a one-man show, which I went to. Wonderful. He's probably 85, but one of the real masters of comedy. 
You don't catch them at it, you know. Yeah. Is there anybody that you like right now? Anybody that... Uh, I, I've interviewed the cast of Everybody Loves Raymond many times. Yeah, Phil well, Rosenthal, uh, the, the, uh, the tall guy is Brad Garrett. Good, good stand. You like? He, oh, he is. And of course, so is Raymond. Yeah, so is Raymond. But they they based Phil Rosenthal, the producer of that show, has told me com- they completely based everything on that show on the Dick Van Dyke show. No Re- kidding. Real situations, real things that the writers would bring yeah. in, that the producers would bring in. The, there were episodes where things that were happening in their own lives. It sounds That's like what, we what, did. what you mm. guys did. An awful lot of our shows were based on things that happened to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, I miss it. But I've done a couple of uh, guest shots <clears throat> on sitcoms, and they're just deadly. Everybody just sits around waiting for the next shot. I mean, we've it was a party. We clowned forever. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always came up with more material than we could use. Right. Somebody has a book called uh, SOS, Some Other Show, of all the ideas we had. That we never used. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, you know, you, I, I can still watch it. I think everybody feels the same way, you know, can still watch it, even though we've seen them a thousand times, <laughs> and laugh our heads off <laughs> because of what you guys oh. created. Um, you, you still remember the, the words of the theme song, don't you? For the, I mean, the, we know the Roy instrumental, wrote, but... Lord Amsterdam wrote them. Yeah. <clears throat> he never published them. As far as I know, he never licensed them. But I have the quartet singing, yeah. just because it's cute. Could I get just a little preview? Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> I'm a little hoarse this morning. Said, so you think that you've got trouble? Well, trouble's a bubble. So tell old Mr. Trouble to get lost. Why not hold your head up high and stop crying, start trying, and don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. When you find the joy of living is loving and giving, you'll be there when the winning dice are tossed. A smile is just a frown that's turned upside down, so smile on that frown or defrost, and don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. I don't fall down anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you a pleasure. So much. Thank you. You are just the greatest. Yeah, the great Dick Van Dyke, our 2016 conversation with him. Uh, one of the many great A-list interviews, but I mean, he, Julie Andrews, uh, Betty White, uh, among the classics, Sean Connery, there's a handful uh, that uh, were just so meaningful uh, to me, and I'm happy I could share them with you. Part of our 100th anniversary celebration for WGN Radio coming up this coming Thursday night. You'll uh, see the special 100th anniversary documentary, 7 p.m. on WGN-TV. Today's a pretty beautiful Sunday, don't you? We uh, could get nice some out. rain, but it's, you know, nonetheless, yeah, right 76 now. at O'Hare. That's right fine. It's gorgeous yeah. outside. Perfect. I really didn't complain about the warmer weather we had a few Me days either. ago. I wanted that. I <laughs> Felt it. so welcome. I love it. Looking forward to putting on my shorty shorts and prancing around. Well, the I'm not looking forward to seeing that. Terrorizing you know. the neighbors. <laughs> oh, no, he's back. Oh, no, it's back. <laughs> I can hear all the mothers yelling for their kids to come inside now, the locking the door. <laughs> Cover your eyes, kids. That man is out there again. That man's outside with the inappropriate shorts. <laughs> I was out uh, doing some grilling. Got the old grill fired up in this... You know, when it's incredibly hot outside, what's better than standing in front of a hot grill? Nothing I can think of. <laughs> Are you a griller, Andy? I never. I don't think I ever. You know, uh, I used to be. I don't really have one right now. Um, it's just uh, if I have one, I, I, I like to do it. Nothing better. Yeah, I haven't done any yet. 
Made grilling. Some, made some nice burgers, just plain old bur- burgers the yeah. other night. Delicious on the grill. Well, you just gave me a good idea for lunch. Some bur- A burger? Yeah. There's nothing better than a grilled burger. Yeah, nice warm weather. Yeah. Uh, did my famous uh, honey mustard salmon mm. last night. That's, There's another good idea. That's my specialty, I think. The honey mustard salmon. Yeah. And it couldn't be. It's, it's so stupidly easy. A little salt and pepper on the salmon itself. Thin layer of honey mustard. I use a Dijon honey mustard, but you can put any kind of honey mustard that you want on it. Uh, and then I, it, it goes on, on the grill. Skin side, I leave the skin on, skin side down. Right, right. Uh, until I, I now use an internal, uh, one of those instant read thermometers now, until it gets to about 150 degrees. But you can pretty much tell when it's done. But when it's 150 degrees, it's safe. Uh, and then the spatula goes between the meat of the salmon and the skin, and it lifts right off. The salmon stays on the grill. You can clean it up later on. And you put it right on the plate and enjoy. Cut up. There's some. another good idea. Oh, that's dinner. I'll have the burger for lunch yeah. and the salmon for dinner. <laughs> now you're talking. There, okay. That a boy. That a boy. Now you're talking. <laughs> uh, I am not going to be cooking on TV this week on Wednesday. We're doing it on Friday this coming week because we have a special celebrity guest who will be joining me. If you watch the cooking shows on PBS. You've undoubtedly seen the show called My Greek Table with Diane Cochellis. She has written 18 cookbooks, and she's had this enormously popular PBS cooking show where she makes Greek food. Uh, and uh, she's going to be joining me, and we're going to cook together. Hmm. She's, she's going to cook for me, and I'm going to cook for her. Have you worked with her before? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, this will be good. Nope. Are you going to share some of your Greek related recipes with her i'm sure she'd be interested in hearing what you know given your background and your your mother your grandmother this woman is a renowned she's written 18 cookbooks about greek food so i got to come up with something really you know something special i can't you know i can't just you know throw anything no i know i know but you you've talked about this spinacopita which always sounds good i won't say it that way but why not did i say it wrong yes what is it? Spanakopita. That's what I said. They said spinakopita. Oh, all right. You said spinakopita. Spanakopita. It's just a new game from Milton Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play spinakopita. Don't touch the sides. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to make for. I've I've been I've been struggling with this for two weeks. And what what can I make for this woman? She's an ex, you know, she's an expert Greek chef. So I don't know what I have no idea. Maybe I'll just make her a burger. Call it a yeah. Day. Make the Greek burger. Yeah. Just make the Greek burger. Nice cheeseburger with feta cheese. Feta on cheese it. and olives, and you're good. I call it a day. Yeah, yeah, that should be good enough. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's going to be Friday. Friday morning at uh, nine thirty. Nine thirty. She will will be joining us, and she'll be a guest here on this very radio show. Uh, coming up next Sunday, by the way, Diane Coachella. So we'll look forward to that. And I'm super excited to play. I haven't heard this interview, I'll bet, in over 20 years. Uh, we've had Julia Child on the show several times on our food show. And, uh, you know, she, she's the queen of all TV chefs. Uh, and, you know, maybe one of the most famous cookbook authors of all time. 
uh, that she uh, spent some time with us. It was quite the honor. And today, since we're sort of honoring our WGN history uh, for the 100th anniversary that's coming up this coming Thursday, going back into the archives and sharing some of those interviews. So in just a few minutes, uh, the legendary Julia Child will be joining us. And we've got another special treat for you coming up next. Dean Richards, uh, WGN. Uh, Today, just going back into our personal archives, uh, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it was my 29th year as a host here on WGN Radio, which is amazing to me. The years have gone by so quickly. But uh, what, I mean, we have had some phenomenal shows here on Sunday morning, filling in for others uh, through the years here on WGN. And uh, one of one of the most meaningful things to me was that I was able to be friends with Bob Collins before he passed away in the year 2000, killed in that horrible uh, plane crash. The day before Bob passed away, uh, he gave me a call to stop into his show to talk about a TV movie that I can't remember if it was just on or about to be on, called Mary and Rhoda. Mary Tyler Moore and Valerie Harper bringing back their characters, Mary Richards and Rhoda Morgenstern. And uh, we, t- we talked about that a little bit. Uh, that conversation led to kind of a, kind of a, a, a thoughtful, prophetic moment for Bob thinking about things that you wanted to do in your life that you just never got around to doing. Prophetic in the fact that this was turned out to be the day before he passed away. Uh, here we go, back to February of the year 2000. Oh, back to you, Bob. We're just talking Hello. here. Good, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Collins. How are you, Mr. Richards? Everything good? Everything is uh, wonderful and delightful. I was driving in my car, yeah. listening to Phil Rosenthal trash my girlfriend, uh, <laughs> Valerie Harper. And at uh, first, I was going to go to the Sun-Times to trash him a little bit. No, no, I'm no. I'm a South no, Side no, boy. You don't yeah. mess around with my friends. But uh, uh, yeah, I well, saw the movie, too. Yeah, what would you think? I, it's... You know what? It's not the old show. It's not the old Mary Tyler Couldn't Moore show. Be. It's not that funny. And it, it really, it shouldn't be, because it's 20 years later. It's a completely different perspective. Yeah. But in many ways, it's very charming. It's, uh, there, there are some moments. He, he pointed out a couple of things were jokes that weren't that funny. One of the things is a dream sequence, so it's, it's supposed to be a little bit ridiculous. But there are some moments in this that are genuinely funny. There's a, a Mary dinner party, you know, which were famous for being sure. awful, sure. that they kind of poke fun at, that I laughed out loud. There are a couple of points where I laughed out loud, and it's, I thought it was charming. It's strange how people from a similar background, uh, you know, Dean Richards looks at television and movies and the arts for WGN and has for a long time, uh, and, and Phil Rosenthal, specifically television, but he, he, you like all the rest of us, but you look at things with such different eyes. I haven't seen the show, however, I have to tell you that I... I like the Mary Tyler Moore show, but I never really cared for Rhoda a whole lot. Never the spinoffs, the Ed Asner. What was that? Uh, uh, Lou Grant. Lou Grant. Lou Grant. Thank right. you very much. Yeah. What's happened to him? Is he still always? He's uh, he's doing a theater. He does a made-for-TV movie every once in a while. He's still very politically active. I oh think. yeah, very yeah. much so. Very. Uh, he's one of these socially conscious guys, right? But but I just wonder when you have a very very popular show like the Mary Tyler Moore show was. I look at Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett, who also tried to come back with varying degrees right. of success after long absences. And I just wonder if you 
Because I remember Mary Richards. I remember Mary Tyler Moore, like I say, from the opening of the show, sure. throwing that blue hat Absolutely. in the air. And that's the way I want to remember a, her. A beloved, lovable character. Absolutely. And, and I think wisely, Mary Tyler Moore and Valerie Harper, they were going to do a series. And they decided not to do it because the quality wasn't there. And they said, we can't do this on a regular basis. And why would they but, want to? They're both of an age. Where they, why do they want to work that they, hard? They really don't need to, really. Sure. As you said, they, they're not doing this for the money. Yeah. But they thought it would be fun to kind of update these two beloved characters. One of the things that a listener pointed out about shaving the legs and maybe this is a chick flick. Mm -hmm. In a way, it is a little bit of a chick flick uh, because what you also discover in the story that Phil didn't talk about at all is that this is a story about two women who are approaching 60 years old whose lives didn't really pan out the way that they thought it was going to pan out. And it's how two women of that age kind of are working to struggle and rebuild their lives. Whether it was Mary or Rhoda or not, it's still kind of an interesting story in that sense. Hold that thought because I want to break for traffic. Mary's in Traffic Central will do that. They don't want to come back and ask you about that. What's going on, Mary? All right. Discover the Remax. Difference. So that's where uh, we took a break, and that's where I'm going to take uh, a break. Am I going to take a break right now? No, I'm not. We're going to go right to the uh, the next cut. Uh, when we come back from the break, and uh, Bob and I continue our conversation. 501 Remax. What a wonderful announcer. He's a peppy kind of guy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Dean Richard said something interesting a minute ago, something that I had not really thought of. I haven't seen the uh, the. Uh, the movie, the uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, Mary and Rhoda. Uh, yeah, Mary and Rhoda. Mary I haven't seen that. It'll be on Channel 7 at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, he said, in a way, it's interesting because these are people who had a plan for their life when they were in their 20s and 30s. And now that they're approaching 60, the plan has not gone exactly right. the way that they had thought it would. Exactly. Mary, Mary is recently widowed mm-hmm. in the show. Rhoda is recently divorced. They're, they, they have grown-up daughters who are in their 20s, I guess, college age, and not exactly following what their parents wanted them to do. You know, I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. Well, that was my question. Did you, in fact, when you were in your... Of course, you're still a very young man. But when you were in your, say, 20s, did you have a game plan for your life? Not not really. Not the way that they say that you should. You know, I know what I want to do when it, five years from now, ten yeah. years from now. Not really. I mean, I, you know, probably much like you. You know, I kind well, of I went with what was fun and what I what I yeah. seemed like I liked to do. But and having, I've, having I've a goal pe- in point. I've known people who did, in fact, project where they wanted to be five years from now or ten years from now, and they really didn't have a game plan. I never had anything approaching that. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping to make it through the next week. Yeah. <laughs> that's the radio and business, that's, though. Well, yeah. That, I, I, I it's guess unusual for that, us, I think. Yeah, but that, but that really is true. I mean, I know a lot of people who have had a plan. I, I swear to God, I'm not kidding at all, I never had any semblance of a plan. It just, you know... Go with the flow. Well, you've got to pinch yourself once in a while. I mean, seriously, you have to pinch yourself then, really, to uh, the, the way things turned out for you, right? Yeah, I, I've I mean, been real lucky. It's pretty amazing. But, I mean, think about people who, you know, they, they think they're going to be married. They're going to have, uh, you know, 2.3 kids. Sure. They're going to have the house in the suburbs and the white picket fence and the dog. And maybe they have all those things. And then suddenly something happens in their lives, some kind of tragedy, and their life has changed, and it's all turned upside down and upset, that's kind of what the subplot of this Mary and Rhoda story is about. You know what? It didn't turn out the way that Mary and Rhoda thought it was going to turn out, these bright and vivacious and clever young women. Uh, you know, their, their lives took a couple of different directions. So there is, there is kind of a serious side of this. You know, what's also interesting in this is that we, in the newsroom, you know, with Ted Baxter and Murray and mm-hmm. Mr. Grant, and then Mary, we just sort of sat there and typed. We really didn't exactly know what she did. Uh, we we kind of see a side of how professionally how she grew 
in a very touching way in this motion picture as well. That I, I think that's also kind of a, a See, touching after, and serious side of now this. Now, after side. talking to you, I'm kind of intrigued, and I, I, prob- I watch almost nothing in real time, but I'll tape it tonight. I, I, you know what? I have the, the preview tape that they sent oh. me. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you. You can watch it at your leisure. <laughs> but it's uh, there. It's not hilariously funny the way the old show was. There were a few funny moments mixed with a few of these little poignant moments. I still think, even though it was funny, the last show, I will never Classic. forget. Remember they were all clumped <laughs> together and they all kind of bounced over to get the Kleenex. box of Kleenex? I that was... That was one classic. of the more classic, absolutely. absolutely. It was funny, yeah, but it was also just, whoa, it was strong Brilliant, stuff. brilliant, yeah. touching, yeah. hilarious. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, this show doesn't go to that height and that level. Yeah. But there, there are some pleasant moments. It's a pleasant visit with a couple of old friends or a couple of laughs, a couple of little touching things. It certainly is not miserable Mary as Phil Rosenthal. But I think oh. we will devote a little time tomorrow morning to uh, if you in fact had a game plan when you were 20, how did it work out? Because yeah. I'm fascinated by people who knew what the hell they wanted to do. Yeah, even if you didn't have a, a formal plan per se, yeah. think about how what you thought your life was going to be then and what it really turned out to be. I thought I'd have a lot of hair, I can tell you Me that. Me too. <laughs> I'm with you there, pal. <laughs> Most professionals. <laughs> there you go. From uh, February of the year 2000, one day before Bob Collins passed away in that uh, horrible plane crash. It was so interesting, though, when I when I had mentioned to him that the kind of the the subtext of this movie, this TV movie, was you know things in your life that didn't turn out the way that you thought that they were going to turn out. You saw a light go on in Bob's eyes. You know, you, it, it struck a chord with him of something that he had been thinking about. And then the next morning, he came and did his show, and he talked about those things. There were several segments in which he talked with you and others who were on the show about things that you wanted to do in your life that you never got around to doing in your life. And it was most uh, prophetic because... Then, the you know, Bob ended his show and uh, went off, got in his plane to go have lunch with a friend, and the plane crashed, and he died. Uh, so, you know, it was uh, the, the last time that I talked with Bob, uh, but, you know, the, the, one of the conversations that he had on one of his final shows was uh, about things in your life that you hoped would have happened that did not happen. And uh, how about just hearing Bob Collins' voice again? How about that for uh, a memory uh, as we uh, you know, get set to commemorate the 100th anniversary of WGN Radio and all uh, its past and what it is today? Uh, Bob Collins, without a doubt, one of the most influential people in the history of WGN Radio. Uh, you know, Bob and Wally Phillips... Uh, probably the two most popular people who were ever on WGN radio, ever. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, these are things that will be discussed, uh, I'm sure over the next week and, uh, some of the things that will be included in this, uh, 100th anniversary documentary, which will be shown on, uh, WGN television, 7 p.m. Central Time on, uh, WGN TV. So uh, we're looking forward to bringing that to you. And uh, let me see here. I've been been trying to get some information. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, I'm, I've, I've sent some emails. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, I've been trying to find out. Many of you have texted this morning asking if the documentary was going to be available. um, uh, Is it going to be available for people who live outside of the Chicago area and can't see WGN TV? Uh, I am told through official channels it will be available after it airs. Uh, on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. You will be able to watch by going to WGNRadio.com. So, uh, yes, yes, the the answer to many of your questions uh, this morning on that, uh, yes, it will be available at WGNRadio.com. All right, uh, still to come for you today, we're going to go back into the archives one more time for my conversation with the legendary Julia Child, we had a great conversation. She visited with us several times, several times on the phone. And uh, I remember one time in particular that I was I must have been filling in for Spike or maybe Kathy and Judy or somebody. I was on in the middle of the day, which was unusual. Uh, but I was filling in for somebody, and Julia Child was uh, on the show. And she comes in the studio. Uh, you know, she's a, she's a, a force of nature, you know, by her, just by her walking into the studio, uh, with that iconic voice and the iconic look. And she's carrying a little, I want to say it was a, like a little bunt cake or something like that. You know, they, the guests don't bring us stuff when they come on the show. They just come in. They want to do the interview. They want to get, get out. Uh, but she brought a, brought a little dessert for us, uh, and, uh, uh, stuck around afterwards and we were able you know chat a little bit off the air it was delightful and i thought that that would be the most appropriate thing that we could do today for our food time show and that is coming up after we get a check of our wgn news Twelve thirty-seven, and this is dean richards sunday morning on wgn today remembering uh, some of the great history of wgn radio uh, both the super past and, uh, you know, some a little more current uh, with some special moments that we've had on the show. We've had so much fun going back into the uh, archives this morning. And before we go back in for our uh, last clip, I want to share with you. I want to give something away because the weather is so great. You're probably like me this week, uh, enjoying the nicer weather. I was out on the grill and uh, can't wait to do even more out on the grill and our friends over at Barbecue Authority in Lyle uh, have a $100 gift card for you. Uh, are you familiar with uh, this uh, amazing store? It's grills, it's outdoor kitchens, it's accessories, uh, it's sauces and rubs. I mean, they, they, you have to take, go take a look at their website, uh, bbq-authority.com bbq-authority.com and just look at the wide array of uh, barbecuing everything that they have for you uh, and they're nice enough to give us a $100 gift card to give away today. $100 gift card from the Barbecue Authority in Lyle. Go to bbqauthority.com to shop and learn more and let's take caller number 20 because all of you complain that I always pick a number too low. And if you live far away or if you're listening on the web, you can't get through. So stop your complaining. Caller number 20 is going to be our winner at 312-981-7200. Caller number 20. So we give everybody a chance to try to get through on the uh, phone line. In the meantime, we move on 
to another uh, food-related subject today. Fans of the food shows certainly know that theme song. It's the uh, music from Julia Child's The French Chef, which, believe it or not, she began on a Boston television station back in 1963, and it became so popular that it eventually uh, became nationally available uh, and spawned several other shows. Uh, the The show ran nationally for 10 years. It won Peabody Awards. It won Emmy Awards. Uh, she became uh, perhaps the most popular television chef of all and cookbook author, I might add, as well. Uh, Julia Child has written definitive cookbooks on uh, French uh, cooking, her distinctive style is, uh, you know, partially, I think, what made her so popular with everyone as well. She wasn't afraid to make mistakes. She wasn't afraid when something got messed up in the kitchen or if it fell down on the ground. Uh, she would uh, just, you know, carry on uh, no matter what. And uh, that's why we were so happy, uh, in, uh, as I say, in my history here on WGN Radio uh, to have had uh, some of the greatest guests of all time joining me uh, on my show. And that includes the great uh, Julia Child, who, uh, who joined me on this day talking about, I forget exactly what the uh, topic was uh, right at this moment, but you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, enjoy, you'll enjoy hearing uh, young Dean Richards. Uh, my voice definitely is different in this uh, particular clip, joined by the great Julia Childs. And here we Radio 720 WGN, our food, nutrition, and dining hour continues now with uh, perhaps the one person in America who is uh, most closely associated with food and dining and the culinary arts. It's truly a pleasure to welcome to the program Julia Child. Julia, welcome into WGN. Nice to talk with you. Well, nice to talk with you. And I was just out in your beautiful city about well, several, several weeks ago for the houseware show. That's immense, isn't it? Did you go? It's an amazing event. I didn't get a chance to go this year, but we, we spoke with uh, several of the representatives of the Houseware Show. In fact, we did a, a show, a radio show, on the Houseware Show, about oh, the new course. innovations and all the different things you know, uh, going on. What were you doing at the Houseware Show? Well, one of the sponsors of our of our television show the uh, with Master Chefs is... Farberware, and so they invited us out, and they gave us a wonderful time. We ate beautifully and saw a lot of people, and it was very interesting. I was learning a lot at those shows. And how interesting that someone as an accomplished chef as yourself, someone who is the authority in this field, uh, can can still learn and grow and uh, develop new interests through the years. I think that's so great. Well, I think that's one of the great things about this profession is that you never know it all, and there's always something new. And I, even the great old chefs that I've talked to, they say just about every day I learn something new. Well, that's great. It's, I... a very, it's a very exciting profession, and now it's a really an accepted discipline, which has taken a long time. It really has has grown in popularity. We uh, just last week did a program on some of the new cookbooks which have 
uh, come out into the bookstore shelves. And uh, as we've learned uh, over the, the years, the cookbook section in a bookstore now is now the largest section of any uh, kind of book that no, is. that is sold. Uh, there's a tremendous popularity, and part of the reason that we're talking uh, with Julia today uh, because the uh, list of nominees is currently being put together for the Julia Child Cookbook Awards. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, this is, oh, we have a really a culinary trade union with a long title of the International Association of Culinary Professionals. And that's just what I call the drones. It's the writers and the teachers and, and the people in that category. And we, this has been going since happens, I think, 30 or 40 years, and I don't know how many members there are, but just about anyone who is in that, in that category of of editing, writing, and and cooking, and teaching is in the organization. It's a very, very useful place for meeting people, because everybody... Everybody is 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 a pro really in the in the business, and and then of course we have do members which we're always encouraging to enter because it's very useful for them to meet people who have been a success, a successful cookbook writer or TV cook or something like that. It's kind of interesting uh, the Julia Child Cookbook Awards because it invites the public, people who have an interest in this art. Uh, to become involved and vote for their favorite cookbooks, uh, upon which the cookbook award is given, right? Well, that has a large, a large, I mean, it's, it, I think it helps publicize it, but the awards are chosen by people in the profession. This is very serious, it's a very serious, I think, trying to read, say, 15 books in whatever category that you're looking. It's a, really a difficult job. And so it's an award that means something is because you're peers who are judging you. It's not, unfortunately, it's not as well known as it should be. I think people know about the Beard Awards, but the Beard, the cookbook thing is only a minor portion of the Beard Awards, while in the IACP it's our most important one. Well, the, the nominees for this year's awards will be announced at the Rainbow Room in New York City on March the 7th, so we'll be closely monitoring that and mm-hmm. bring that information back uh, to our listeners. But mm-hmm. in a general sense, though, before the actual the 30 nominees for the award uh, are announced, what, what do you think are the characteristics? What, what makes a good cookbook? There are so many on the market now. And they're so different than they used to be. They used to be really just a list of recipes, and now... We have books on all kinds of separate subjects and books that have history as well as recipes in them. Then we have an award for really good writing. I think MFK Fisher is our standard, was our standard bearer for really fine writing. And then sort of new categories, and it's a, it's a very serious business. It's not, you know, just box top recipes. Yeah. What, what do you look for in a cookbook? Are there certain characteristics that really make a, a fine cookbook to Julia Child? Well, for one thing, of course, the, everything, all the recipes have to be very well written by someone who really knows what he or she is doing. So all of that part has to be very good. And then well written and clearly written. And then... Historical bits are very, very important and interesting. But then there's so many different ways of doing a book. 
and originality is very important as well. So there, there, there's lots of categories, but it has to be a really fine and interesting book and an original one. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you must see a lot. We see a lot uh, that are sent oh, to us you do, by, yeah. by publishers. You know, that are trying to get on the show, and it's very interesting because you really can pick out the good ones from the ones that are sort of rehashed, and people that you can tell have an intimate knowledge of the subject, and those mm-hmm. that are just trying to sell pieces of paper that are happen to be bound, you know, in a book form. Well, you know, the, of course, there are a lot of product people like, I suppose, flour and breakfast foods and things like that, and they'll commission somebody to write a book. And whether or not the person knows anything about the subject doesn't make any any difference to them, or, or not very much. So that's not the kind of book that would get into the, into the award business. Last year, I know I... I did a rundown of Christmas of books for Christmas in the Good Morning America, and there were nine hundred and two books published that year. No wonder we're all so overweight. Exactly, <laughs> nine hundred and two. That's you know, absolutely. Then, of weird. course, there are diet books. Everyone seems to be, but me seems to be very interested in <laughs> diet and what they call healthy living and whatnot. Yeah. And that's those are getting to be. Tiresome, I think. I, I agree with you. We, we've we've talked so many times about healthy eating, and we think that that's important. But we've decided on this show that moderation is the key. That occasionally, mm-hmm. if you're going to enjoy something which may be a little more fat filled than others, or you know, not really be right down to the T of uh, what all the experts say, at least enjoy enjoy it with moderation. Well, least. you don't have to pay attention to them. I think we've had so many. I think we should all know exactly what we're supposed to eat now, and that you're allowed to binge but you just have to pay for it. And I think small helpings is terribly important, don't you? I mean, you don't want to eat, or you shouldn't eat, a 12-ounce steak or something like that. Or you could eat it maybe once, but then you have to pay back all of that those calories absolutely i like the small portions because then you get to try lots of different tastes and flavors that's exactly one, one of my favorite reasons for it then you don't have to worry about overeating so of course i have to go out a lot so i eat about not more than a third of what i'm served and i think in the restaurants there's they're serving such enormous portions, don't you think? Absolutely. In, in fact, there was a very interesting article this week in one of our Chicago papers about how some of the food manufacturers, it, it related mostly to fast foods, but how there is a conscious effort on the part of manufacturers to increase serving portions to get you used to purchasing a lot of product from them. You, you see it all the time in, in fast food settings now where large means super gigantic and a portion that you couldn't possibly finish. Well, then you can just order one portion for two people. Exactly, exactly. That's the, how the to, key. Beat, to beat them to their own game. Exactly. In fact, so, in, a, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that uh, fast food study and a little bit more about uh, fast food. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in talking with you about uh, some of your Chicago experiences. I know that you've had a number of Chicago chefs on your programs through mm-hmm. the years. Well, we have our, our television series with public television on the Master Chefs. And we had Charlie Trotter, because the last series was done all in my kitchen here in Cambridge, Mass. Yes. And Charlie Trotter is a fascinating, I think. And then uh, Rick Bayliss, whom I think is a very interesting fellow, because he's 
very scholarly in his research on Mexican food. Talking about uh, cooking schools and becoming a great chefs like some of our uh, Chicago chefs, and I couldn't agree with you more about all the ones that you mentioned. I was at uh, Rick Bayless's uh, Frontier Grill for lunch just the other day. It's mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the most wonderful restaurants that we have in Chicago. We're so lucky uh, to have that here. What, what do you think uh, someone should look for if they're interested in culinary arts? Uh, are cooking schools the best avenues? Or what, what would oh, you they're, recommend they're to them? Very, they're very, very useful. You have, let's see, you have Kendall, is it, is it Kendall College there? Kendall College here. There is a yeah. uh, Culinary Arts Institute, which mm-hmm. is in the Chicago area. We have, we have a number of it's fine... It's very arts, useful you know. if, you, if you want to start out is to get some formal, uh, some formal training, because any kind of training is helpful. Uh, having, of course, mastered the chopping and slicing and everything else, but just with a school that has a regular curriculum, then you're not going to miss anything. And then I think do as much cooking as possible and get a job any doing anything in a restaurant. Or if you have friends that are very good cooks, say that you'll come and help them out any time they have a party, that you'll peel potatoes or do anything, just to be there watching and being part of it. But I think if you're going to be a serious professional chef, I think, very definitely formal training is very useful indeed it's always expensive unfortunately what about for the person who has a tremendous interest in in culinary arts arts you know has a job already has a day job but just enjoys it very much what, what would you it recommend to that person, person uh, aside from going to a formal school of uh, furthering their knowledge about the subject well i think there there are quite a few just informal schools where you can where you can go say with your partner and after work and then you cook and then eat what you've cooked so that's a very nice thing to do or any of your and work with any of your friends who like to cook or or form an informal little cooking group yourselves and and just try things out and cook together. That's yeah, some fun memories there. Julia Child joining me on the show many, many years ago. She passed away in 2004, so uh, it was uh, a while before that. Uh, the great Julia Child, more good WGN memories throughout the day today, and don't forget, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, our 100th uh, anniversary documentary on my favorite TV station, WGN-TV. WGN-TV.